You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Well, kids, I don't know if you heard it earlier, but you're going to stay put today. And um, I want to encourage you, instead of frowning about that, um, find something from your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister that you can write on and draw pictures of. I didn't say draw on your brother and sister, uh, but if that helps you, that's up to you and your family. But you know one thing that helps me, kids, whenever I hear somebody talking for a long time or preaching, uh, it helps me to visualize what I think that he is saying. And so you might want to just draw a picture of what you think growth looks like, or maybe you want to talk about, maybe you want to paint pictures of little kids growing to become adults or a plant growing into a big tree, or maybe you draw a picture like that because that's what we're going to be talking about today. And then Grace Kids will begin again next week, Lord willing. Uh, Last week on Christmas Day, Christmas morning, I got to share with you why I love Jesus. And today, we're going to be looking at some scripture that is my prayer for grace. So last week, you got to hear your pastor's heart, and this week, you get to hear your pastor's vision. Now, I want to basically recast a vision for this church, and I say recast because I mean that in two ways. First of all, it's not new. I cast this vision every year. If you're here today and you're like, didn't, didn't that sound like last year's? Yeah, it's almost exactly like last year's passage uh, and sermon. So if this is new to you, great. If this is not new to you, hear it again, refresh. But I also say recast because the vision that we're going to be looking at today is not original just for you, nor did it originate from me. I want to cast a vision this morning for you and for me that will feed what we have been looking at the last five weeks. We've been looking at topics uh, the last five In fact, we're doing a topic today. We're going to do a topic next week about planting and launching. And then, um, and then at the, toward the end of January, we'll get back to expositing verse by verse through a book of the Bible But the last few weeks, we looked at hope, faith, joy, peace, and love. How do we grow in those areas is what we're looking at today, what we're launching for. I want to cast a vision this morning that will lead you to stiller waters in 2023, that will lead you to greener pastures in 2023. I want to cast this vision that's not original for me, didn't originate with me, but that we would join together to grow in the pleasures of God this year. So that by this time next year, when we start to look at those Advent words again of peace and faith and joy and hope and love, we can go, you know what? I have seen some growth in these areas in my life. Children, you're here. I just mentioned words that should be familiar to you. 
So you might even want to be starting to draw pictures of a heart that starts this big and grows bigger. Or a faith, however that looks like, that grows bigger. I'm already planting and giving you ideas, kids, on how you can be applying this verse. And you know, parents, by now, when I talk to the kids, that's for you too, right? You might be here like, I'm going to start drawing pictures. I didn't even know that was allowed. And to hear that, honey, I can draw pictures in church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to hear this grand vision that thankfully, 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 by God's grace, does not start with us. But thankfully, by God's grace, we are invited into. Ephesians chapter 4, we read Ephesians chapter 3 earlier, the prayer from Paul that led up to this. Originally, we are going to read through verse 24. Good, I didn't hear any sighs. That's good. But now we're only going to read through verse 18 for time's sake. Paul writes, chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Skip on down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. But rather, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
Oh God, thank you. Thank you for sending Christ so that everything we just read is possible. Holy Spirit, thank you for inspiring these very words of truth. This vision, not just for 2023, but for our entire lives. I pray if there's anyone in this room within the hearing of this message that does not have a saving faith and knowledge of you, that today you make them alive. Give them faith in Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This vision from Scripture is for us to grow together. The vision that God has for your life, if you're wondering, I wonder what God wants for my life in 2023, it's very clear with a lot of verses. This is just a half of one chapter of many chapters in the scriptures that say similar things. God's plan for you is for you to grow, to become holy like him. This is the vision for us to do this and for us to do this together. We have today what we're going to look at is why we should be growing and a few suggestions on how to start or get or continue to grow. Next week, we're going to be doing the sending and the commissioning of Grace Gerald. That's awesome. That's exciting. And then January 15th, we're going to come back to this topic, to this vision, and we're going to look at why we should grow together and how to do that. Okay? So what must I take as my goal and aim as a Christian why should I pursue spiritual growth? Let's look at that this morning. First of all, why grow? First reason is this, holy maturity. Holy maturity. In chapter 4, verse 1, we see it just from the beginning. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We see it again in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Holy maturity is the first reason why we should grow is so that we would become and grow and become more holy and maturing men and women. If you don't know this about the letter that Paul wrote to the uh, Ephesian church, this book is one of my favorite letters, books in the Bible. This is the book of the Bible that when people come to me for premarital counseling, this is the book that we walk through. And here's the reason why. The first three chapters is all about doctrine and theology, what God has done to redeem you, what he's done to adopt you, what he's done to save you, his gift, his gift, his gift to make the relationship with him even possible, first three chapters. It's heavy, it's weighty, but he starts with those first three chapters so that the next three chapters make sense and are doable. The next three chapters are about putting into practice and applying what you just learned in the first three chapters. 
It's the relationship with God first, and then put this into practice this way. You're not going to understand and really have the power or the capacity to apply the things in chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, without being in awe of the grace of God that is explained in the first three chapters. So after the first three chapters, Paul begins saying, therefore, I urge you, walk in a manner that's worthy of everything you just heard. Paul speaks of a type of experience and a maturity that is not highly valued in the culture. It's not highly valued by popular megachurches. What he speaks of and the maturity he's talking about is not highly valued by church hoppers and shoppers who are just kind of looking for the newest and the most in thing. Because what is mentioned in chapter 4 requires a devotion to God and a devotion to one another. It requires a walking that's new and different. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 13 and 14 that we read here is not referring to a type of maturity in church experience or it's not referring to a type of maturity in ministry programming. It's not referring to a type of maturity in the world or in worldly wisdom that you can apply in the worldly lessons into the church life. It's not referring to a type of maturity on how to organize committees and do all this stuff. No, as we read these verses, we notice the kind of maturity that we are to be growing in is a holy maturity. Holiness. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This letter from Paul to the church is a letter where he's urging us to walk in the manner in which we were called. It goes on to say, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, if we were once considered unworthy, if we were once considered dead, which I've never seen a dead person walking, if we were once considered unable to walk, unworthy to walk this walk, then how are we to begin walking this way? It sounds a bit overbearing for Paul to urge his people to walk this way if he just spent three chapters saying, you're unable to walk this way. But that's not all he said in the first three chapters. He says, you were unable to walk this way, but because of his great grace who made you alive, you're now able to walk this way. So, chapter 4, verse 1, I urge you to do it. He's already made it possible. He's already brought it to you. He's already set you up. Now walk. I visualize every time I come to this text, knowing what just happened, and the, if you want your kid to walk and he's not taking the steps or she's not taking the steps, many of you have done this with your kids, 
for some reason nowadays, I think some parents might think this is cruel, but you put their back up against the wall, right? Like there's nowhere to go backwards. I can't fall on my seat. I can't, only thing I can do is go this way, right? That's what Christ has done to save us. He's put up this wall of there is no going back. Don't stay there. Step forward. Start walking. We see this is a beautiful invitation from Paul. Okay, I know, he's like he's saying, okay, I know you've never done this before. I know you've never walked this way before. I know this is a new way. This is a new direction. This is a new purpose. It's time to start growing in that. It's time to mature in the holy things in life. It's time to start walking to become the person Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, about the Beatitudes. When we read those, you're like, well, I wish I could be like that. I would like to be like that. I would like to be like that. Well, Paul's saying, it's time to start growing to walk like that. We are called. We are saved. We are redeemed to a lifestyle of holy maturity and walking and moving forward. In faith, God not only has made it possible, but God demands that we do this. He declares that holy maturity be yours and my identity. We see in verse 14 one of the amazing benefits of growing and walking this way in a holy, mature life. It says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 13. And then we see this in verse 14. So that, I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible this year and you come into places that say, so that, you might want to underline that and pay attention to what's coming. So that, here's the promise, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. The benefit of growing in holiness and maturing in holiness is one, you're obeying the call, but also you're not just jumping ship to every wind of doctrine that's floating by. One reason we ought to grow is because God's called us to grow to holiness, to holy maturity. We must grow so that we become holy, mature men and women of God who are no longer emotionally gullible, churchy people who just are busy, but we're actually growing and experiencing that peace and that faith and that hope in a way that's connecting with others. But also we must grow in holy maturity because there's work to be done. Now, unfortunately, we have become kind of this culture where we can sort of want to get past that first point. And when you hear work to be done, all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, I can do this. Work to be done? Yeah, put me in, coach. Let's go. I want to work. No, the work to be done is not the work that God wants unless the first thing happens. Growing in holiness so that work can be done God's way. Look with me in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us 
So verse 1, walk in a way that's worthy of the calling. Verse 7, grace was given to each one of us according to the measures of Christ. In verse 11, we see he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain this unity. Pastor, isn't that your job? Well, yeah, my job's in this. But my job is to equip you so that you could get to work to do and join me in the work. So that you can join Paul, who's writing from prison, it says, urging them to walk so that they can start walking in their holiness, so that they can start equipping one another to grow. There's work to be done, holy work to be done. His work that he has commissioned for each one of his children and people that he has died for. This is holy work. In Titus chapter 2, we see these words as Paul writes to young Titus, for the grace of God has appeared. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Look at this word, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to <coughs> live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. In this present age, waiting for this blessed hope, the appearing of, our, of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, listen to what he's done for us. He gave himself us for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. That's all awesome. We praise God for that, but there's more who are zealous for good works. Paul goes on to tell Titus, declare these things. Declare to them that there's work to be done. Zealous work that's flowing from grace to the person, to the world. Let no one disregard you. In Ephesians chapter 2, just a few verses before what we're reading today, we know this passage, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's like opening up a gift. You give to your wife, uh, like I, not that I've ever done this, but you give to your wife, honey, here's a wonderful lawnmower for you. Unwrap it and enjoy it as much as you want. Just go for it. You don't like lawnmower? Okay, here is a vacuum cleaner. Okay, here's an iron. Okay, I'm getting into a path where I'm losing you, right? Like I started with lawnmower. I just want you to know. But like, here's these tools. Here's this. You're my wife. I'm giving you gifts so that you can have fulfillment and contributing back to the family. She gives me gifts so that I can have Fulfillment and contributing to the family. God gives us gifts so that we can have fulfillment by contributing to the family. He saved us and wants us to grow because he wants us to grow into holy maturity, but he wants us to grow 
so that we can accomplish the mission and the purpose and the work that he wants for us to accomplish within the church family. Are you growing? Are you growing to become more holy? Are you growing so that you can be available to be used the way God's created you specifically and designed you to work in his kingdom? If you don't grow, you're not going to be fulfilled because you're not using the gift of grace the way God's assigned and given it to you. Are you growing? There's a third reason why we should grow. We should grow for a healthy body. Makes sense, right? We should be growing physically. Our muscles should be growing or or we should be strengthening our muscles so that our healthy physical body should grow. But here we see the calling that we should be individually growing, walking in a manner worthy of the calling so that the whole church body would be healthy. Did you notice in verses 1 through 3 those key relational descriptive words? With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Can you imagine belonging to a church that's growing and that's exciting, that's fulfilling you, that's meeting your needs, that's the opposite of each one of these? A church that's described as prideful and mean-spirited, aggravated, task-driven, eager to disrupt one another, It's the exact opposite, right? We ought to be walking in a manner worthy of the calling so that we would be growing in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another for the health and the well-being of everyone around us. There's more. He goes on to say, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Do you hear the singular passion in that? One body, one spirit, as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one. When I grow in my personal holiness, my understanding and depth of insight into the Lord grows. When that grows, my understanding of God and his attributes are growing. When that grows, listen, my humility grows with it. When we grow together, and I'm not just stuck in an office just getting book smart, but when we're growing together I'm learning more about him being in awe of him as my humility is growing with it. When our humility grows, a greater love for God and for others grows with it. This leads to beautiful relationships. This leads to healthy church families. We see here sort of a unity that comes together even in doctrine as we come together corporately and seeing of a Christ-centered, Godward people, one hope, one faith, one love, one God and Father who is over all, in all, and through all. 
One reason we should be growing is so that we become the holy, mature people that he's called us and saved us to be. We should be growing so that we can accomplish the work and the task that he's given to us to accomplish. But we should be growing so that the church family remains healthy. You ever left an unhealthy church? Be careful. I'm glad you didn't raise your hand because I'm about to say this. We've all left unhealthy churches as unhealthy people. And God wants unhealthy, imperfect people coming together, growing together in our personal holiness so that the arm can help the shoulder and the shoulder can help the spine area and and the body can come together in a way where we're looking at each other going, wow, God's even using me to encourage you. I can't believe that God had saved me and using my gifts to bless you and your family. And greater love and greater knitting together happens when we grow. Verse 15 and 16, we see it again. You think I'm redundant. Paul keeps on. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which is equipped when each part is working properly. You're a part of the body of Christ. When you were growing in holiness, the whole body is growing in holiness with you. We want to grow in spiritual maturity and holiness so that we are accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish so that the whole church body can be healthy and grow together. But... What prevents this from happening? This is important because if we don't know what those roadblocks are, if we don't know what the obstacles are, speed bumps, gates in the way, whatever, then we're never we're going to hit a wall and go, wait a minute, we didn't know this was here. What keeps us from walking in the manner worthy of the calling? A few things. First of all, growing pains. It's hard, right? You can amen that. It's okay. Growing pain. It's hard to grow up. On January 1st, growing in faith, hope, peace, joy, and the love of Christ might seem overwhelming to you. I said that once to a bunch of college students on January 1st, and most of them were like, yeah, you don't even realize what I just did last night. Yeah, growing in faith and hope and love, knowing what I just did, knowing that I just stumbled into this church room because somebody made me come. It's hard. It might be daunting. Growing in holiness is hard on two levels. First of all, it's hard overcoming our own personal weaknesses, our own habits, our own shame. Transforming from an angry man to a patient man is not always easy. Transforming from an egocentric narcissist to a humble servant of others is hard. Transforming into someone that God is using from someone that usually lives in opposition of God 
can be difficult. But doing it without God is difficulter. It, it just is. Because you don't want to be that person anyway. But with God's help, again, your homework, read chapters 1 through 3 in Ephesians. With God's work, he's made it even possible for you to even come from the wall and step forward into this new life. It's hard, but it's possible. It's also hard on another level. It's One level, it's hard just dealing with my own stuff, but it's hard to grow in the church dealing with other people. Right? Can we just say that? No? Okay, I'm not supposed to say that. You got to deal with me. You got to deal with each other. How many times do you feel around the holidays like if I could just get away from my family just for a little bit, get away from my friends just for a little bit, just have a little time of respite, then I'll gather myself, I'll be growing, and I'll come out with more peace and more love and more joy. I mean, I didn't have to do that with my family as they're here on the front row, but maybe you felt that way. Maybe you were in a crowded airport, and you're like, if I could just get away from the scene and go away and lock myself in a closet and just sort of recover, that's what we think sometimes because we think people frustrate our growth. But everything Paul's writing here is saying it's the people in the church that help you grow. Oh, please don't stiff arm the people of God because they frustrate you. Don't stiff arm the people of God because some people are hypocrites. Don't stiff arm the people of God because 80% of them don't want to grow. Dive in. Get to know the people. Grow together. We're going to look at that more in two weeks, how to do that together. But one thing that prevents us from growth is it's hard. There's growing pains. There's another thing that keeps, I know it keeps me from growing, it may keep you from growing. It's pride and prejudice. No, not the movie, not the book. What I mean by this is not only is it hard, growing in holiness is different. It's different. This is a different life than almost anything and everything you see on TV and social media. This calling to this life is is not just different than Western culture. It's different than every culture in humanity ever since the garden. That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to the world. It does not say, don't be conformed to Americanism. It doesn't say, don't be conformed to communism. It doesn't say, don't be conformed to materialism. Don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's different, not conforming, but choosing transformation is not only difficult, it's different. There's pride in us. Here's what pride looks like when it comes to the call to growth. You might say, well, I don't really need that. It's not that important that I grow this year. It's not that important that I need this Bible study or this time of worship or this community. 
they may need it. I don't really need that. That's a hint of pride in you. Pride also looks like this. They, they need me to teach them. They need me to help them. I, if, if Jason would just ask me to lead here, do this, apply my skill, then I'm going to be more involved. Then I'll really grow. But until he asks me, he doesn't really need me. So I'm going to stay out on the fringes. I've been told years ago when I asked, what do you think the greatest need for your generation is? Somebody from a different generation told me is the need to be needed. And I was like, what? No, you need Christ. You need God's church, and you need the people around you. Pride also looks like this. I, I might need to grow a little. I, I, I might need to serve here and there. But I don't need to do it the way that my church is telling us to do it. That might be true, but if you're responding as a gut reaction, I don't need to do it the way he's doing it, she's doing it, they're telling me to do it. There's a nonconformist to, to the church, to the people God's put in your life to equip you for the work of the service, to stiff arm them. There might be some pride there. And what is the description of the ones who walk worthy of the calling? Humility, gentleness, patience. If you don't see those things, then there's some pride lurking in you, hindering you from growing and walking this way. Also, the thing with pride that I have to warn that is the most dangerous is that God opposes the proud. So if you think you are going to grow closer to God, with pride, someone's lying to you and you're believing it. Get to that in just a second. Pride, but also prejudice, is a part of this. What do I mean by prejudice? Prejudice defined as this, preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. A preconceived opinion of someone else or something else that's not based on reason or actual experience. Our prejudice in the gathering of God's people keep us from growing. It's in the way. How does that look? It looks like this. Well, I prefer this song, this type of liturgy. This speaker doesn't really speak to me. This person hasn't gone through what I've gone through. This thing hasn't happened. They wrote this a long time ago, so it's not really the way I gel. He yells He's more poetic. She's more, I mean, we close ourselves to people because we already preconceived they're not going to be able to teach us anything. Walk in a manner worthy. Be gentle. When God has put somebody in your life to help you, to listen to you, to teach you, to shape you, listen. Even ask the Lord, God, is there something I can learn from this person today. Do you do that? Is there pride or prejudice? Is there something in this church that's just different enough that has harmed or stopped you to grow in some way? 
Talk that out in community. Come talk to one of the elders. We'd love to help and listen and see if there's anything we can do to help with this. Our spiritual growth is stunted because it's hard, growing pains. It's, it's stunted because it's different. There's a pride and a prejudice within us sometimes. But there's another reason why our spiritual growth to holiness doesn't happen, and that's spiritual warfare. It's an unseen battle. It's, it's difficult. It's different to grow in holiness, but it's also a battle. Now, what we read in Ephesians and throughout the Bible is the battle is won, but it's not won without a fight. The battle is won, it's declared, but there is a real active enemy working to frustrate your growth. Spiritual and godly growth produce holy maturity. It produces a healthy church. A healthy church that's fulfilling and accomplishing the mission that God has for it to accomplish. And here, there is a very real enemy actively working against all those things. And here's the thing about this real enemy. He could care less about you personally. He's already lost you to Christ if you're a Christian. He knows that he cannot steal you away from God's family, but he deeply and intensely cares about your growth because, not because he cares about you, because if he can stop you from growing, then he can make you one of those body parts that just messes up the rest of the body. And if he can stop the body from being a healthy body, then the body's not going to do what the body's supposed to be doing. And that's what he cares about. Not advancing God's kingdom. So you've got to ask yourself what I ask myself every year. What are my blind spots that are disrupting my growth to holiness? In fact, I ask this every Sabbath day. God, is there anything in me that's disrupting my pursuit of holiness? And the ripple effect would be especially as a pastor, elder, that it could damage the health of the church that would stunt the work of the church in a way that we're not accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. But this passage doesn't say only pastors should ask that. Is there anything in your life that the enemy is getting into and working and frustrating the enemy wants pastors and leaders to grow in popularity, but at the same time grow in worldly maturity so that the church sounds more like a TED talk than the people of God being shepherded to greener pastors. What I want to encourage you to consider is this passage that we read where it says, so that you may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That sounds aggressive. The enemy, which he writes about in chapter 6, is after 
your growth. He's after your growth because he's after the church, because he's after the glory of God. So in 2023, I ask you, which of these reasons or which of these hindrances is in the way? Because it's hard, because it's different, or because it's a battle? See you next week. Is that helpful, right? Like, is it just to say, okay, you've got to work on those, good luck. No, we get the holy and high privilege of coming and taking communion together today. So I want to end our time today. We'll pick it up in two weeks with some encouraging news on how we can begin to work through these three obstacles. First of all, get the right mind and heart. The right heart is simply, are you saved? Are you a child of God? The Father sent his Son to be perfect and holy and to live a sin-free life to pay for your sin-filled life. Someone had to pay for that, that apathy and that hate and that antagonizing against God and your sinful ways. Somebody had to pay for that for me. That person is Jesus. Do you know that he's come to die for you? And do you know that when he rose three days later, he came to redeem you and say, I'm going to prepare a place for you? Do you believe that? Do you say yes to that within your soul and your heart and your mind? Is your mind and your heart locked in and saying, I want to change? Is that you? It's called repentance. You got to have the right mindset in the heart. You got to repent and turn and follow Christ. The other thing that we have to have is the right resources. If you want to change, you want to fight this battle, you got to have the right mindset and the right heart. You need to have the right resources. Just a few practical things that I can show you is I have this little notepad here. Uh, I don't remember how much it costs, but on one side, I have two moleskins. So this is something different I'm doing. I started a couple years ago, and uh, this is just for help. On one side is my thankful booklet. On the other side is my prayer booklet, okay? So, and then right in the middle is this cool pen that Bill made me, um, and they're for sale for $20, so see Bill uh, he makes great pens, but, and I like it because it fits in my notebook just like that, and it's perfect, and so this notebook goes with me everywhere, and whenever I'm struggling with bitterness or frustration, I get it out, and I start writing on my page of thank you, thank you, God, for this, thank you, God, for this, thank you, God, for this. I just start lifting my eyes up. Now, the discipline to do this happens in the morning, and preferably in the evening too. But then on the other side is my prayer list. You don't think you can do anything else for the church. You can get you a little moleskin with a Bill Armitage pen, and you can write down, here are the people I can pray for. And you can spend five minutes praying for people in the church. That's just one resource. But you were given today, hopefully you got it when you walked in, this booklet. It looks like this, Growing Together. Okay? Everybody grab that real quick. If your kid was drawing pictures on it, that's okay. Let them keep doing that, I guess. 
Um, this, I don't have time. We are out of time. I don't have time to walk you through the booklet. Come in two weeks. We'll do more of a walkthrough through it. But I want you to take this, and you'll see that what we have provided for you is a chronological Bible reading plan. Today's January 1st. Why not start today? Why not start this week so that the enemy can't tell you a month from now, well, you didn't start on January 1st, so you might as well give it up for the whole year. That's probably going to happen in some way. The enemy is going to come at you with that. Seek help, and we'll get you back on path. Just pick it up wherever the week is. That's what I do. When I miss a day or two, I just go, well, let's just find out where the day is. I'm going to start reading on that day. Don't get bogged down in shame what you missed. Just walk in the manner worthy of your call. There's a scripture memory uh, plan. Uh, we have a, a, a plan for life verses. Every week we have a, a passage of scripture that we memorize as a church. I encourage you, put this in your family's diet. We have a podcast that we released that's released on Monday that talks about this life verse. So if you're like memorizing on Monday and Tuesday and you're like, I don't really understand what this means, well, buckle up. On Wednesday, somebody on the staff's going to share a podcast of how we're applying this and understanding this life verse this week. We have books that we want to encourage you to read each month. We have a family discipleship um, um, passages that Lauren picked out that she would like us to, to pray over our children. We have ways that we want to engage and pray for the nations. This is just a little tool. This is just one way that we're trying to equip you to do the work of service and to walk in the matter. I want to encourage you to get a good Bible that you like to read. I want to encourage you, if your iPad distracts you from reading the Bible, go old school. I don't get anything popping up on this. Now, I like my iPad and my Kindle a lot, and there's a lot I do read on that, but for me, and I'm not saying forever, I know Kyle's smarter than me, a little more focused, and he, all of his Bible stuff, I think most of it's on, on the iPad. I may be wrong, but, but I, know, I know there's a lot of you that use the iPad for your Bible reading plan, because there's a lot of good tools that help you do that. If that's you, then get hard into it. For me, I have to get a good Bible that I can read the font and understand. Paul urges us to walk in a worthy manner. The third thing I want to encourage you to do is not only get the right heart of mind, get the right resources, follow the right leader. In chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, follow Christ. Follow him. Our prayer is that his voice is the loudest voice in your life. Follow Christ this year. Don't let the schemes and the strategies of the enemy lead you to follow somebody that's deconstructing Jesus. Follow the word and follow Christ. We'll close with this. In 2 Peter, Peter closes out. He knows he's about to die, and he says, these are his last words, written words. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, 
take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow. Grow. Take care and grow. Grow in the grace. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in grace. Grow in the knowledge that he saved you. When we take communion, if this is your first time to join us, you're going to come in just a minute and you're going to take of the cup and the first layer you'll peel back, you'll see the, the bread wafer, which represents the body of Christ by his grace that he laid down for your sins. You take that and you remember that. You grow in that grace, and that knowledge of what he's done for you. Never get over it. Thank him for it. And then you peel over that next pair uh, peel, and that, re- that cup re- represents the blood of Christ that he spilled to wash you and to make you new. Grow in the knowledge of that, the grace of that. Never get over it. If you are saved, this is for you. If you, in this time, a while ago, when I just mentioned, maybe you need to repent, maybe right now you need to say yes. If you did it in that moment, said, yes, I want this, this is for you. But we want to talk with you. We want to help you understand that step of faith, that walk in the worthy worthiness of the gospel that you are taking today. We want to help you understand what the gospel is and what it means. So come talk to us at the end of the service and we'll pray with you. Let's go to him now in a time of communion. Father, you've put people in our life to help us to grow. Give us the right mind and heart. Right now, Lord, convict us. Show us that if this is your expectation, that you will help us. You will help us grow this year. If there's anyone here, Lord, that is defeated, thinking they'll never stop the bad habits, they'll never stop the sin of of whatever it might be, God, give them hope right now that they can change, that you came to save them and redeem them and and to remove them from the identity of addict and give them the identity of redeemed. I pray that as we take the cup and the bread today, that you are exalted and glorified and we are helped to a life of holiness and spiritual growth. In Jesus' name.